Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. In the workplace and in life, great opportunity comes to those who set themselves apart. And we're not talking about attention seeking or being better than others, but simply being clear and communicating what you can uniquely offer. That's the point. And whatever you do, you can do uniquely. Again, not better or brand new, but something coming from you in a way, a new way, perspective, flavor, or application. This is part three on Matt McWilliams and the message in his new book, Turning Passions into Profits, that we've been talking about. In this episode, I bring on Dan Miller, famed author of 48 Days to the Work You Love and one of the premier experts and voices regarding turning passions into profits. And Matt cites Dan as a teacher and mentor. Dan actually uh, endorses Matt's books. So no more fitting person to continue this discussion. Dan is also my father, as many of you know. We really land on the necessity and opportunity of standing out with what you can uniquely offer. And this isn't simply a discussion for work and business. Think about your personal life and those you are most drawn to and feel cared by. You will likely be very clear on what about them most stands out to you. And you can audit yourself for what you want people to feel from you, how you want them to experience you. I actually talk a little bit further on this at the end of the show. Uh, You can still pre-order Matt's book, Turning Passions Into Profits, now at passionsintoprofitsbook.com slash self and get over $700 of bonuses along with the book. And you can find Dan Miller at 48days.com. Hope you find value from this self-helpful podcast. Let us know. Leave a review would be a gift. Best thing you can do is take this discussion and talk about it with someone else. These topics that you continue talking about, grappling with, pondering on, that's what sinks in and actually makes change in our lives. You can always connect with me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, Dan Miller my dad and I talk about how to work at what you care about and the opportunity that comes with standing out and being known for something. All right, dad. So here's Matt's book, turn your passions into profits and having him talk about that concept is kind of like me talking about goals today after learning from Zig Ziglar. Is what I thought. Okay. I mean, that's legit. Matt was a, gosh, a student of yours. You've been a mentor to him and really seen his business come to fruition. And I know you guys have done stuff together. So it's neat to see him on this topic that has been a core of your message. But as always with things, you got, you know, new people, new times, new perspectives on that. And I'm sure as you heard, read his book and, and uh, even heard the show that we did together, uh, heard a different flavor of things. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And I just interviewed him as well, which I rarely do. I know, but yeah. his content is so in line did, with yeah. my message. And I know he's been influenced by my content over the years. So it was a real natural fit. It was like a hand in a glove to have him come on and talk about it. 
That's that's turning passions into profits. Turning passions into profits. Yeah, I mean, I know that term, you know, from you, but I do appreciate. I feel like it's one of those issues that we can never do enough justice to. Um, I mean, as you, I don't know where the stats are today. I mean, as we we've been talking, you've been talking about this for a long time. Forty eight days, of the work you love. What what are we? What how many years are you? Since you twenty years, your, twenty years, twenty years, and here we are today. As we speak, we're coming into 2023. The workplace is out there. I don't know. I don't know the stats. What are the stats as far as the workplace and people doing things that they enjoy? We've got this new generation that's coming into the workforce. And are we seeing more people make the effort to do things that are a better fit that they do have more, whether it's passion or care for or, or statistically, are we still kind of where we were? Is it worse? I don't even know. You tell me. Well, I have I have to believe that it's getting better. There's so much information out there to help people go down that line. But one of the things I heard you and Matt discuss, Matt talked about the book Dale Carnegie, the classic little How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah. Which I mean, it costs you ten dollars and fifty cents on Amazon. You can buy a used copy for two dollars and ninety nine cents. There's certainly no barrier for anybody to get that, and it helps somebody be more confident and how they present themselves, yeah. open new doors of opportunity, develop relationships that are going to go places for you and all that. It's all there. And he says less than one hundredth of one percent of the people on the face of the earth have read that book. I'm thinking, wow, do people really care? I work with a guy right now, just had, just had a coaching call with him and his wife yesterday. And in talking with them, he's in a very respected industry, profession, mm-hmm. has professional degree. He's very respected in that is paid very well, four kids, supportive wife, beautiful home, and he's totally burned out. Mm. I'm like, you know, what's up? What's going on with this? Let's unpack this. If you, I said, I asked my, you know, just common question. If we were to meet three years from now, what would have to happen in your life and business for you to be totally happy with where you are? Mm. He couldn't come up with anything. I'm saying, what do you mean? You mean, what do you, what do you dream about? What do you? And he said something has stopped me in my tracks. Now, here's a guy, again, by all appearances, is doing really well. He says, we're living, but we're not dreaming. Man, I mean, that just sucked the air out of the room. We're living, but we're not dreaming. So here's a guy, and I think a lot of people are in that place where they're not doing what they're passionate about. A lot of people have gotten to the position they have just because they had the academic ability to keep going, or they had family expectations, generational expectations to just move into a particular area. That's so common. And then at 45, 50, 55, they wake up and say, you know what? I think I'm living somebody else's dream. I don't think this is it. It's not enough just to get that paycheck as a guy I'm just referring to great paycheck, but he knows he's empty because there's not the purpose, the passion and what he's doing. Okay. That's really interesting. And I'm, as we look at you know, Gen Z is being talked about so much right now. I just got, I got, I got asked, they actually didn't choose me, but I got, I had been asked uh, to, but the chamber of commerce in Bentonville, Arkansas. Okay. That's Walmart is what they're Walmart and Tyson foods. And they were looking at me because they have somebody on their board. Who's a listener of my show. And they were interested in me talking to them there, but their focus is Gen Z, the next generation who's going to be, employed in the businesses, owning the businesses, and how do they connect? They feel like they are a bit ancient uh, as far as the current leaders and are not connecting with that group, which I 
my first thought went to what we talk about a lot re- lately is digital natives, which are ki- my kids are digital natives. You and I are digital immigrants. Mm-hmm. We're analog gotcha. natives apparently, but we're digital you know, immigrants and we speak a different language. And the, what I keep hearing though, is this new generation, they want more meaningful work. They want something that matters. It fits their lifestyle. And yet I'm concerned that I see them. They want that and they feel a little bit entitled to it, but I don't know that they've earned it. And I'm thinking about that coming back to your, how to win friends and influence people. Have they learned the skills to command something that really fits them? You don't just get it because you're, you, you know, it's a nice idea. I mean, there are the things you need to do to equip yourself to earn that right. Is that fair? Well, it is. That's a really deep question. How do you get to the place where it is an authentic fit? Is it something you just learn in a course? I mean, I think there are things that we have to learn in that process. When I went through a really devastating business experience, I learned a ton in that period of time that I don't think I would have taken the time to learn. Otherwise it forced me to look at things in new ways. I thought the only way to build a business as an example, get bigger buildings, more inventory, more employees. And I learned in that period of time when I was suffering dramatically, wow, you mean I can share intellectual content and get paid for that. I can write a book once and get paid a thousand times. I mean, it opened my eyes to things, ways to make money, ways to build a business. I think I had to go through the painful experience to get there. It's like the butterfly getting out of a cocoon or the caterpillar getting out of a cocoon. You know, if we help that little guy out, just open it up like we want to do with our kids, it doesn't develop into a butterfly. It has to go through that process. Now, I'm not saying the only way we learn is through pain. I don't want to buy into that at all. But somehow life has a way of helping us understand these processes. And when we look at You know, when I look at my community and I have people in there who are homeschooled teenagers and people who are 88 years old, literally, the commonality is not age. It's not academic background. It's not gender. It's not ethnicity. It's mindset. How do you get that growth mindset, the the belief that what you have right now is not all that's available, that there's more? I have people ask me about coming out of my nuclear family where my siblings haven't taken the kind of path that I did, why did I choose a very, very radically different path than what my siblings did growing up in the same environment, but they pretty much lived out the expectations of our family unit, and I took a very different path. What was that? You know, did I have some kind of different genes? I exposed myself to information like the little recording, The Strangest Secret, like the magic of thinking big, like how to win friends and influence people. And I just kept going more and more to those things. And those things kept opening doors of opportunity that my classmates sure weren't seeing. Yeah. You mentioned your community and I don't know if you use the word community, but the people that you work with and just for uh, candor there folks, that's 48 days, eagles.com thriving community. You go over there. It's a paid community, a private community. And he's got people over there who are looking for these types of opportunities to turn their passions into profits. And they gather together and commune together. Um, so it's powerful. You can go check it out at 48 days Eagles. There's my shameless self-promotion, uh, for that community. Cause I hear testimony constantly. I'm in there as well. Um, you know, what you speak to though, the pain and what you learned from that makes me again, think about this current culture that we're into. And I, I feel like I do hear more 
content to or, or more testimony to people wanting something that has more meaning. Maybe as they have watched their parents put in their time just doing something to earn a paycheck and seeing the negative consequences of that. So you want a better opportunity, but then back to your how to win friends and influence people. Are we focused on what am I doing then to get that better opportunity? How am I providing more value? How am I becoming? That's what you're talking about. Why did you look at, Hey, here's something I want different than my near Amish upbringing. But to do that, I've got to learn more. I've got to know more. I've got to grow. I've got to, again, I'm going to put that earn that aspect in that. And you did, you went off to college against your dad's desires instead of taking over the farm. And you did that and you increased your value and you've done that your entire life. And I am concerned that we're not, we're seeing the cut off. Hey, I want a better opportunity. Okay. What are you doing then to provide more value to be worthy of that? I think that's a legitimate question. But I also am encouraged by the fact that with Gen Z and even the younger generations beyond that, their motivations are not all about just more. I think in my generation, yeah. baby boomers, you know, it was, gee, how can I get a bigger house, a nicer car, you know, and really move up economically? And we saw the dot-com companies come in and people made millionaires and all that. Well, with the younger generation, I see people that want to do things that are noble, things that really do want to make the world, they do want to make the world a better place. Mm. And there are different motivations than just more and bigger, which I think is really at the heart of this being authentic. How can you lean into something that really does matter? Now, their ability to then do that, and I think they recognize that you got to do something that has value to people, something that really does, you know, do work that matters for people who care. If you aren't doing that, if you're just sitting on a stump somewhere thinking because you enjoy doing that, you're not going to have any kind of economic gain at all. You're not going to be able to support yourself. You're going to be a drain on society. And I see people, if it's wanting better vegetables that we eat or clean water or cleaner air or going to space or whatever, some things that don't have real clear job business possibilities connected to them, people move into those areas and then get creative about how can I make this work? You mentioned a minute ago, the testimony of a guy, a story, and that he had a decent job because of his, I think you said, because of his degree, because of his, uh, yes. that also is a, I feel like I'm seeing that somewhat, that there's an expectation of opportunity based on a skill set. I have this degree, I can do accounting, I can do, you know, X, Y, Z, and yet that's not where I'm seeing the greatest opportunities come from as opposed to not as opposed to, but also, you know, paralleling with what's your emotional IQ. What are your PR skills? Again, I'm, I'm going to, I keep coming back to what you started with how to win friends and influence people. Do you know how to do that? Because so many people, I think that's more acute to me right now. Even right here, we're doing a podcast. There is no way I can have the best content. I have to have good content. I have to know how to do a conversation. I've got to have the audio equipment. I've got to have a platform that's going to put this podcast out. I've got to have good content. But just like you said, you interviewed Matt McWilliams. Well, Mm -hmm. there's people who want to listen to you. They don't want to listen to me interview Matt McWilliams, but I interviewed him too. But we're, we're talking similar content. People are coming to us then because they like the flavor. They listen to you. Because they like the flavor of Dan. They like your perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, Matt talked about that in his in your interview with him. He talked about the fact there's a lot of podcasts, but your uh 
middle-aged white guy? You know, what if you're African-American or you're short or you're tall or you're missing one limb or you have red hair? You know, there's all kinds of things that make us unique. Yeah. And we can use those things to create a distinct space of ours. One of the things that I do a lot with people is, is ask them, what makes you distinctive? What sets you apart from everybody else? If you're a physician or an attorney or a dentist or whatever it is, what sets you apart? You know, as an example, in my own world, I mean, I'm still known primarily as a career guy. So I'm a career coach. So you look up career coach, do a search on that. You're going to get 12 million sites that are career coaches. You know, I'm in there somewhere. I, I don't know where it doesn't really matter, but you put in 48 days, man, I own that. I mean, I own the first two pages of a search engine. It's not because of fancy SEO or because I paid for ads. It's because I'm the guy who says you can change your life in 48 days. Not just when everything is in, right when all the lights are green or when you finish paying off your previous student loan debt or whatever. No, 48 days. That's a very simple example of how there's something that sets us apart. So there's room for people to go into things that others are doing and still make an impact, still have influence, still do something distinctive. Well, that's been interesting, dad, working with your other son. Uh, Jared yes. on Gaza, who I've done yes. a few shows with now, and he just worked with me on my own branding and positioning. So here I am, I do a podcast. I apparently have good content because a lot of people are listening, but there's yes. a lot of the other pieces I have not done well. And what you just said, what sets you apart? I got that. That was right. I think in the intro of Matt's book, and he said, getting noticed today is easier than at any point in human history. He said, getting noticed. You can go on Facebook, you can go on Instagram, you can go on Twitter, you can go on Snapchat and TikTok. I mean, my gosh, you can go out there and you can get noticed, at least amongst your friends. You may even do something that goes viral per se and gets a little more notice than others. But then the comment Probably is, with a cat. Probably with a cat. Exactly. Or <laughs> blood or something. He says, okay, so getting noticed today is easier than at any point in human history. But standing out today is harder than ever right back to where you just said, what sets you apart? And it was interesting going through the work with Jared on my website and social media and whatnot, not just what sets me apart vocationally. It was really personal. What sets me apart? What sets me apart as a dad, as a husband, as an individual, take away those roles, take away podcaster, take away dad, take away husband. And if you plot me in a new place overnight and take those things away, what sets me apart? What's unique about me? It just got me thinking about that. And you would think that doing what I do, I'd be well aware of that. But he kind of, it was, it was a little work. What does set me apart? There are things that we all have unique things. I mean, you're a big proponent of the personality styles. Uh, you, uh, the disc profile specifically, you guys sell at the site. Do you sell other ones or is it just the disc? Just the disc. The disc. We okay. embrace Lots of them that are out there, but that's the one that we promote. And, and you're a huge provider of that. So disc profile, you know, even that looking at that and going, okay, what sets me apart? What can I take about these propensities and what's unique about me feels like, yeah, if it is, if we're going to stand out, we need to, we need more clarity on that than ever. And it's not something that we're going to learn in school. Well, Speaking of your brother, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Speaking of your brother, who I also happen to know well, mm -hmm. he just hosted a podcast interview that he did in our family link. So I went there and listened to it. So here's the graphic. It's got these, you know, five people. Jared's right front and center. Jared on Gaza. 
So he's on there with the executive, or he's on there with a physician who's an astronaut candidate and an aquanaut lady. Another guy is a science writer, the producer of Star Trek, an expert in cultural change. Another guy is an aerospace engineer. He's an ISS International Space Station astronaut trainer, author of October Sky, and a board member of Space Camp. And they're talking about extracting helium-3 from the moon to use here on Earth in fusion reactors. And there's Jared. Jared, who we helped through get a high school diploma with homeschooling because he couldn't make it in regular school. He's never been to college a day in his life. He's there with all these people that have all these fancy degrees. But you know what? He's right in there because he is so passionate about that subject matter, space exploration, developing space better than we've done here on Earth is one of the things Jared refers to a lot. He's so passionate about that. He is so educated in those things. He took the initiative, become educated, but it's, it's such a glaring example of if you're passionate about it, it can open up, it can level the playing field. We see that again and again and put you in positions of influence no matter where you're starting. Just getting clear, like Matt talks about in his book, you know, get clear, clarity about what it is you want to do, who you want to serve. That's so, so important. It's a, and boy, you do that and you're. I, I love the example. I mean, step, so in Matt's book, Turn Your Passions into Profits, step one that he has is clarify who you help. And can can we say in there, I mean, who or what you want to help? I mean, because Jared's looking at, I'm going to help humanity. I care about the earth, the environment, and this aspect of space, the overview effect, those types of things he sees as a significant conduit, one. And two, it just captures his interest, which I, I, I really want to give credit to that, that sometimes we try to judge. We talked about this with Matt, try to judge the area of interest we may have. And I have over time gotten better about saying, okay, there are some reasons. I mean, yeah, I can take, give some good justifications for what Jared's doing and why and whatever, but also he's just interested in space End of story. I, it's not something that resonates with me. <laughs> thank goodness it All does right. with, and I've got things in my life that don't resonate with him, you know, but thank goodness. So again, back to Matt saying, you know, clarify who slash what you want to help. And then what you just said is part two or step two in his book, commit to leading that Jerry did that. He found an area of interest and then he committed to kind of like you back in the day as a kid saying, man, I want something different. So I'm going to commit to leading. And I'm going to say it started with committing to learning, growing, understanding, becoming an expert in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that has worked extremely well. Matt talks about having a clear avatar. Who do you want to serve? Want to hear mine? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is... <laughs> I do. All right. My ideal client is a 48-year-old guy named Greg who has an advanced degree because he's a hard driver and has the ability to get it. He's married, has three kids who are now college age and are experimenting with their own career choices. Greg has his own business with a comfortable $250,000 a year income that has fulfilled his need for control and open-ended success, but now he feels like he's plateaued and he wrestles for the next level. Greg is kept in shape physically because he feels a little dry in his relationships and his faith. Outsiders see him as successful, but he knows there's more, more true success. And now he's taken the initiative to reach out for new inspiration and creativity. Man, that right there fits so many people that I've worked with. I mean, I just described to you a 47-year-old guy 
All right. So he's one year off. He fits everything else almost exactly. He has four kids instead of three. But being so clear about that guy, Greg, that I want to help lets me recognize him instantly when I'm talking to somebody. Is this a Greg? And it could be a Mary or a Sue, but is this that person that fits what I described right there? If it is, we can rock and roll. Well, and what I, again, it's back to Matt to give him credit. That's step three is capture attention. And of course, when you hear that term, okay, I know what I want to do. So I'm going to capture attention. What does that mean? That means I need a website, I need social media, I need XYZ. And he says, no, step one, show that you understand. It's exactly what you just did. And I, I got to raise my hand. Do I know who my primary audience is? Yes, ish. I have not, I, uh-huh. I have not uh-huh. done that work and I know the power of it. I, we got, I got, you know, I got schooled in this a long time ago, but it's really an exercise I would be well uh, suited to do right now because what it does when you lay out the specifics of that avatar in essence, it allows you to speak so clearly to that prime prospect that they can't not hear you. And that's the best way to, to capture attention and really hook them. And uh, yeah, there's my homework for the new year. Well, it is. And you've got a massive audience who are eager to give you their feedback. Mm. If you allow them to do that, you know, as you know, right now, I'm doing a survey for my podcast. We asked them all those things. How old are you? What's your income level? What's your academic background? What are your pain points? What do you feel like you're lacking? What do you want your life to look like three years from now? I mean, it takes somebody five minutes to go through, so it's not lengthy, but that then shapes my content shapes my message for the coming year. So I know who I'm talking to and I can address the very things that they told me they want to hear about. So I don't have to, you know, a lot of people in today's environment, it's so easy to push content. Yeah. Just, you know, you can jump on YouTube or TikTok or Pinterest or anything and just push content and hope that somehow something clicks and your, your latest little video gets a lot of attention. But the more reasonable way the more long-term way to really develop something is just serve and then ask, serve and ask. And as we keep doing that, we can give you clear and clear and clear on who do we serve really well. The thing that you then have done so well, and this is a hallmark of podcasts, but I shouldn't say that overarching podcasts in our category. So you and I have podcasts in the self-help category Uh, from a book standpoint, your books, my upcoming book and the New York times list is going to be in the advice. What is it? Advice, how to, and miscellaneous. That's literally, you know, that's, that's the one I get every week from my literary agents that James clear with atomic habits is always at the top of, but most of ours and the New York times, they fall uh, within that. And with that, again, you know, showing that you, understand you you understand your market that you understand who you're talking about and that you then build a relationship with them that's the one that i think we're missing as well and to a degree i got called out a little bit recently with that that hey kevin you got a big audience you got great content you haven't really built a strong relationship not as much as you could with your audience. You have done that well. And when I look at, again, the people in our category, the peers in our category, they've done a good job of building relationship with their audience. So back again to looking at the culture and Gen Z and whatnot, that we, I think we often put that skill set. Hey, I've got a degree. I can do X, Y, Z. I got the chops to do this. 
And right now though, there's so much content. We're flooded with so much. People are wanting to do business with and commune with people that they resonate with uniquely and that they have a relationship with, which back to your 48 days Eagles community, you've done that, but you've done that through your book for 20 years. You've done that through your newsletter and people feel like they know you and mom. And, uh, most of them not only know you, but they know me. I, Hey, how much credit have I gotten out of that? Uh, that they, okay, you're Dan's son and Dan enjoys it. Yes, I am. I'll, I'll ride that sucker, uh, for as much as it's worth, but the relationship aspect that we're back to how to win friends and influence people that that's, you know, connecting. Are we doing that? I mean, it feels like that's a root issue here in all of this turning passions into profits. Okay. Boy, this, I mean, you, you really opened the door here to some things that are very, very relevant right now. Okay. We've seen the explosion of AI, artificial intelligence. Yeah. We just recently chat GPT was released where you can just put in a question, it'll write, response for you you know you want to say i got well i got to stop you there my 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 kids are going nuts with it they they show my so uh canyon so you know canyon your grandson my it's one of my boys uh he's 16 and the other day i think it was last week i'm in the kitchen cooking and he brings this in he's dad you got to see this and he just types in a he he and eliza my my daughter and it was something about write a poem about a rabbit that got burnt playing hopscotch i, I don't know it was something there you go in a sure. and yeah. it just starts whipping this thing out this essay yeah. or, or i think it was a poem it was un unreal and i think what kid is ever going to write an authentic essay ever again they can just type in That's the right. content here it'll spit it out it's unique you can't call it plagiarism can you but any, yeah so well amazing. so here's where that goes so as an author you can just have that feature that software write the content for you you, know, you can have a ghostwriter do wow. it obviously there's a lot of different things going on there but you can just have so content is easy to come up with so the question raised in my mastermind wow. and we spent a lot of time talking about this what makes us not only what makes us unique what makes us necessary are wow. we even necessary how do you claim a voice when there's this kind when ai is taking over creating content like that and very quickly the responses came back AI can't shake your hand, you know, give you a hug, look you in the eyes, you know, show compassion, understanding. Now, those are the kind of, we need to, with our content, be allowing for an experience that goes along with that. And that's... Let me ask you on that. Would you, I'm sitting here thinking about that. So would you say that AI can inform us, it cannot relate to us because that really calls into question all of our content, our product, our service, our offering, our skills, our those are all things that we can, maybe I don't know if inform is the right word, but we can do, we can be a tool. We can fulfill that. That's not relating. And if that's all we're doing, it can viably be replaced more and more quickly all the time. And all we've got left is relating in my tracking. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, absolutely. You remember Remember the first time in Franklin, Tennessee, we had this sanctuary, this old barn on our property, and you and I promoted it that fantastic Friday. Mm-hmm. We promoted that just to my audience. At that point, I think I had about 17,000 people on our email list. We have a lot more now, unfortunately. Anyway, we were just promoted. It was no agenda. But if you're in the Franklin area and want to just come out, you know, just show up, 
out here. We'll just hang out together and just, you know, we'll have soft drinks and chips or whatever. Well, we had like 130 people show up. It was like, we had people from Colorado and Kansas. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? We aren't, we don't have an agenda. We aren't doing any kind of canned presentation. People were that hungry for connection. And we started doing events there at the sanctuary where we had people come for two days. That's a lot different experience. People would come to those events and we'd also walk the nature trails, eat mulberries off the tree, go down the zip line. You know, one, one time we had a frog funeral because Clara, one of my granddaughters burst in and said a frog died. She found it. We all walked out and had a funeral. People may remember the content that we presented that day, but they'll never forget going to a frog funeral. If we integrate Mm-hmm. So the, the things we do allow for interaction, they allow for engagement and create an experience. We can stand out and AI is not going to replace that. It's fantastic Friday. So as everyone knows on Fridays, I post functional Friday. That's the episode. Yeah. The other day I wrote one, I wrote the intro and I had fantastic Friday written in there. Did you just, know uh, just still <laughs> stuck in my brain. I'm glad I caught it. Um, that's hilarious. That was years and years ago, years ago. The last show that you and I did together just a handful of months ago, I think was discussing Elliot Bisnow, who we had on the show. He's the founder or co-founder of the summit series, uh, huge events. And that's what his focus was. What we ended up talking about was there's the content of the event. And of course you want good content. You want good speakers there. I just saw, I'm sure you did too. We just got the list of the speakers for the upcoming podcast evolutions event in Las Vegas. And I looked at it. You want to see good speakers and you want to see good content. And yet the only reason that I already bought my tickets and I'm sure you did as well for that. And the other ones is I'm going to, I've already connected with one of the agencies, you know, we're going to meet there and I'm going to meet X, Y, Z there. And we're going to go for the relationship slash experience which again, brings it right back to us. So if I'm going in to imply, apply for a job, for an opportunity, if I'm going to start a business selling a product or service that there's no way I can say is the only one, the best one, the most unique one, it is how am I going to uniquely connect? Is that the best term for that? How am I going to uniquely connect yeah. relate? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and there's where we have the opportunity to be creative, to do things that are going to be memorable or in Seth Godin terms, you know, what are you doing? That's remarkable. When you talked about a purple cow, you know, you see a lot of Brown cows, black cows, white cows, they don't get your attention, but my gosh, purple cow that stops you in your tracks. You probably stop back up, get out of your car and take a picture. So what are you doing? is remarkable. So we're planning an event for next year for 40 days Eagles community. I'm doing it at the Carlisle Inn conference center. That is part of the same property as Der Dutchman Restaurant, which you probably oh, recognize the name. Sure, Amish Restaurant. They have the most amazing buffet there. It's just mind-blowing. So we're having the conference. We're having them, the, the restaurant, set up a buffet for all of our attendees. Amish buffet. Everybody's also going to get a jar of the Amish peanut butter that is so, and apple butter that are so famous there we're thinking about we're thinking about things that create a memorable experience before we're thinking about crystallizing the content of the agenda that we're going to present i really consider that secondary we the the agenda is secondary to creating an experience but the experience 
deepens the connections for the ongoing sharing of content. So it's a conduit. We don't want to ignore that. You don't want to just have a rah-rah and everybody goes away and, well, that was fun. No, you want it to be part of this ongoing process. But I think that can make us stand out from people who are doing nothing but sharing content. We're we're back to the skill thing, the old adage of higher character and trained skill, which is great. Now, obviously, you can't just do that if you need an astrophysicist or you know, somebody in, the, in Jared's space community. They've got to have some skill. And so I don't want to minimize, how do we do that? I don't want to minimize it, but I do want to demote it a little bit of say, whatever you have, whatever skill somebody else has, we're kind of back to the AI. If AI doesn't have it, somebody else has that skill. You cannot say you're the best. You cannot say you're the only, um, you can only go unique to so far, but your character and how you relate to people, the experience of you. Uh, is like just what you're talking about with having the event. Uh, I remember going to a John Eldridge boot camp. He's a well-known Christian author a long time ago. And it was at a young life camp out here in Colorado. I went with my buddy, Randy, which most people know, Randy James co-hosts a lot of shows with me. We went and I think the entry fee was four or 500 bucks. And so we pulled into this camp. It's just unreal. I mean, surrounded by the mountains, gigantic log structures, trails everywhere. And we came in and one of my first thoughts was, dude, I got my $400 right now, just walking in here. Uh-huh. I'm good. Cool. So if the content's good now, again, you know, to cash that we've, we've not many, but I'm sure you've been to an event here and there where the experience was high and the content was pretty darn lame. Um, mm-hmm. we're not, again, not demoting to use that word, demoting that completely, but just to say, man, your skill uh, what you've been trained to do, your product, your service, your offering is it needs to be good. But man, if that's all you're banking on, I think more and more in the culture today, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to miss out. You are not back to what you said. You are not going to stand out and you're going to be left hanging there with all that skill for naught. That's right. And that's where you and I have opportunity. If we understand that mm-hmm. people who are used to just pushing skill and stand behind the curtain, the wizard of Oz, they're going to get lost as we move into this new environment, because content is so easy to get, so easy to create. That AI can knock it out all day long. That AI can generate blogs for you every day for the next year, if you wanted to do it. It could do it this afternoon. So that's not enough. So we have to look at what is our unique advantage? You know, and you and Matt discussed that well in talking about turning passions into profits. But yeah, that's an important part. A lot of the people that I have dealt with over the years have proven their ability to do what they do very, very well. And they had the academic ability, the intelligence to do what they're doing very well. But that's not enough for a failing life. If it doesn't, if it doesn't include your passion, you're going to burn out. That event you talked about, nearly 20 years ago, Fantastic Fridays. That was at the dawn of what was then, we were calling 212 Connection. Yes. And to, and, to ju- and to piggyback on what you just said, your statement was there are so many people out there who are great at coaching other people, coaching, leading, influencing, guiding other people. If they're sitting across the desk from them, they're rock stars. It's moot, however, if they can't get somebody sitting across the desk from them meaning they can't market themselves. They can't sell themselves. And we're, we're, we're talking about the same thing 
right here. And today it's about connection as a coach specifically, so many people who have the ability and desire to be a coach and they've got a skill set. They can help somebody in a certain area. They've got expertise. They've got experience. They've got the chops to do it. And yet they're missing that connection point. You work with hordes of those people. It's the mainstay of your business is working with coaches and helping them. Why well, would ask that? How, how much are you actually ever helping them in the skill set that they have in the coaching expertise that they have, as opposed to just helping them connect with their prospective clients. Oh yeah. It's 99% just helping them leverage what they already have. Yeah. Rarely have I ever suggested somebody go back and take another course or get another degree. It's let's leverage what you have. But here's an example. You know, you just, you just wrote a book, you know, I've written books. And when I looked at that initially, you know, as an entrepreneur and recognized that 95% of authors never make more than $40,000 a year. Wow, that's not very encouraging. But I immediately went to, how tough can it be to put yourself in the 5%? All I have to do is look at what most authors do and do things they're not willing to do. Wow, rock and roll. Thus, when I look back at my income for last year, the income that I got from royalties on books, which people assume is a lot as a New York Times bestseller and all that, that income comprises less than one half of 1%. What that means is I'm taking the message in my books and leveraging that by allowing people to engage in other ways, these experiences like we're talking about. That's where I make my money, not from selling a $20 book, you know, and getting a $1.50 royalty. So we just, we look at it with a different lens. You know, one of the events we had back at the sanctuary, we had a lady who wanted to come and she wanted to get the input of our group all this, this room full of entrepreneurs on her business. Her name was Rosalie Harper. Rosalie was an Italian cook. I, I remember. I benefited oh, from one of her meals. Gosh. Yeah. She showed up. I mean, she took over our kitchens. I mean, mom was finding a tomato sauce in the walls six months later. <laughs> remember she, stories. She went wild. Yeah. But she created a feast for us. And then we sat down and unpacked how she could leverage her expertise her passion as a cook she went on to have a radio show a tv show wrote a couple of books i mean all kinds of cool things but again it was we immersed the content the learning content within an experience that was memorable that people will never forget and so it, so really it's it's not that complicated if we recognize that that gives us an opportunity to lean into that but that's where we get an opportunity to define what makes us unique who is that specific person that we want to help and how can we engage with them in a way that is remarkable? And I want to stick on this tangent because I think it's the foundation and the root of the issue and more important than what you just spoke to though, to give credit to it, you know, in book, turn your passions into profits. And in so much of what you do with 48 days is to look at what somebody does have to offer and really expand the breadth of the ways that you can do that. We all, me included, can get, can't see the forest for the trees and don't see the breadth of opportunities in what we're offering. We tend to be really narrow and think, gosh, this is what I do. And this is the one vein to do it. And we don't see that there are so many opportunities. You're a master at that. Matt does a great job in his book and in his business of helping people see the different options for what they do, which is very freeing. And, and I want people to hear that and to dig into both of you guys and your resources because, um, yeah, we just can't not be so narrow. And there's so many opportunities in today's day and world to do what we do 
in a multitude of facets. There is. I mean, how exciting is that? Yeah. You know, you've got a bunch of kids coming up through the ranks. Wow. Do they have to go through a very traditional process to end up with a job? You know, I worked with a, a lady who was born in Vietnam um, a while back, and she had been sent over here at 10 years old to live with some unwelcoming distant res- re- mm. um, relatives. She got a job in a restaurant to pay her own way. She had to pay for the space there even at 10 years old. But anyway, went through school, got a master's of engineering from UC Berkeley. She's got an amazing job. She is trying to dumb down her life wearing black and white only to not stand out, trying to dumb down to fit into this male dominated world. But here's the deal. Her parents have this adage that I hear from a lot of people who are immigrants who come here because they want their kids to get an education, get a degree, get an advanced degree. She said her parents' expectations were either be a doctor, a dentist, or a disappointment. Wow. I mean, how heavy is that? Wow. Well, today as parents, you know, you're a young parent, got a lot of kids. Fortunately, you don't have that kind of overview. You've got to go get this kind of degree or else you're not going to be a failure. Your kids are seeing all kinds of flexibility in what they can pursue out of the box kind of things. If it does engage their passion, they have an opportunity to really make an impact in the world and to thrive as a result of that. If they're just going through the motions, trust me, they're going to burn out. And that's what we see over and over and over again. People are doing what's practical, responsible, but they're burned out because it doesn't include their passions. That's why I get so excited about this. And I know we got, you know, naysayers out there, ah, this following your passion, you know, it's stupid. Just do something the world needs. And well, what then, then those are the guys that are counting the days till they can retire. Oh, I, I know. I, I Retirement by definition means as soon as I can stop the stinking job and do what I really want to do. Well, what a novel idea. What if you figured out how to do what you really want to do? And it provided your income Retirement loses its appeal. It, it is. It is more and more stark to me because at, I just turned 52 and there's people my age that are, I mean, a lot of people they're, they're talking about retirement. Some of them are retiring. They're proud. They can, <laughs> they can do that. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I'm, I think I'm just getting started for one and two. What the heck else am I going to do? I, I can only mountain bike so much and I don't like golf and, uh, whatnot. But thank God I grew up with you and mom and, and work at, you know, and we did, you heard Matt and I talk about that. I do like playing, I was gonna say devil's advocate somewhat with that word passions, man, that is a word. If it has baggage to you, I mean, your book is 48 days to the word you love. So we have love, we have passions. If we need to talk about dumbing down, if you need to dumb it down, and I talked about this with Matt, just say something that you care about, something that you're curious about, uh, something that you have an, uh, for me, an abiding interest in, uh, that's what we're talking about. So it, it may not be, and within that, and I know you've attested to this within that thing, call it what you will. It is going to be hard work. It is going to be difficult. We were reading in scripture the other day. I can't re- remember where it is. You may know, uh, but the, you know, God saying my put on my yoke. Put on my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we talked about that because he doesn't say, Hey, come to me and you won't have a yoke. You won't have uh-huh. a burden. No, you still will, but it's easy. It's light. And I feel like that you go into work. You hate, you're going to have a yoke and a heavy burden. 
Um, you find one with passions, you still got one. You still have responsibility. You still still have challenges, but man, you're going to find some flow to cite Stephen Kotler. Well, of course, you and I I are both entrepreneurs. You know, that's kind of a a category out there. And we see a lot of people who leave that 40-hour-a-week job that they absolutely hate. They're exhausted. They can't put one foot in front of another. And then they start their own thing, and they're working 100 hours a week and have full of energy. You know, it doesn't make make sense if you could try to quantify it. But it makes total sense if you understand this idea, the power of passion, how that energizes us and gives us motivation to keep going. I want to anchor on something, Dad. Is to, I want to I want to end on this, and I'm going to cite back to your son, Jared, my brother, Jared Angaza, who again I've had him co-hosting some shows lately. You can find him. I've had some people already say, "Hey, where can I find that dude?" Jared Angaza, J A R E D, Angaza, A N G A Z A dot com. And in working with me, so he he and I are working on the website and the branding and the pictures and the words and the fonts and the colors and all these types of things, and something that he said. It just continues to kind of, it resonated with me, but I continue to grapple with it. And he said, with a company, with a product, with a service, with your business, with the thing that you're offering back to this aspect of relating and connecting to people, he said, the words were, what does, if I listen to this podcast, I'll put it in that reference. If I listen to Dan Miller's podcast, what does that imply about me? And he could flip it. If somebody listens to my podcast, what does that imply about them? And if it's not obvious, then I've missed it. So if people are listening to self-helpful with Kevin Miller and say, what does that listen show imply about you? I'm afraid that a lot of them are going to be a little fuzzy on that. That's what we're trying to, 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 to fix. Having a book, my book comes out, that's going to help. But saying, what does that imply about you? If you listen to Joe Rogan, number one podcast on planet earth, you know what that implies, but that says something about you in the circles yep. that I run in. I'm not as apt to say that I listen to the Joe Rogan show, which I actually don't, but it, you know, it's not really my flavor of life. I listen to X, Y, Z things that I associate with that. I feel proud to be connected with. So looking back at ourselves, I thought, man, that's, that's weighty to say, what does, what is being my kid? imply about my kids? What is being my, uh, you know, what is listening to my show imply about people? And if we aren't clear about that, but it's pretty deep. Well, it, it is. And that can work for us or against us. But knowing that, yeah, I tell people, you know, I can predict your future really well. All I have to do is hang around you for a day and listen to what you say, watch what you do. I love to walk into somebody's house and walk into their office. I look at their books. Man, that tells me more about that person than anything I possibly do. Tells me worlds about that person. What do they spend their time viewing, listening to? What kind of input are they getting? So there is that, which is a positive thing to be able to do that. It is. And I I don't, I'm going to try to be as, tactful as I can, you talking about walking into somebody's home and into their office, that's a fading relic. As you know, unfortunately, most people you're going to walk into their home and they have an entertainment center. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have an entertainment room. They have a, not to pick on guys who, if you have a man cave, I'm not dissing your man cave. That man cave could also be a place of study and reflection. And I would hope that I go in there and I see some things that are also about 
personal growth because I'm not against entertainment. I love, you know, I, I like entertainment. If you come into my office, uh, you're going to see some entertainment. You're going to see a lot of sporting equipment and you're going to see a lot of growth stuff. So don't, don't, I'm not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I am, yeah, talking about what does, uh, you can read somebody and just what you said. If I, my life is audited, if I'm having a videotape running of my life all the time, what does it show my interests? are that I am about. And back to what Jerry said, what is, what does it imply then? What am I implying with my life in Mm -hmm. essence? And that's, what's going to connect with people positively or negatively, or just not at all. I'd say. Well, it is when you're following in the footsteps of Zig Ziglar with the podcast and the crowd that you're in that same kind of space. I mean, he was such an iconic figure. And he was identified not just by the content. There are a lot of great sales guys out there. But there were other things that really set him apart. One was his iconic voice. Mm-hmm. When you hear Zig's voice, you know instantly who it is. I mean, what a gift. I mean, I sometimes play Zig or Napoleon Hill. Yeah. Just because their voices so instantly identify them. You know, I don't have that, unfortunately. But he also had other things, you know, in his life that really set him apart. You know, he was one of the first people that I ever met where I saw this blend of having a strong faith and big financial goals. Wow, that was mind-blowing to me because I grew up in an environment where if you have big financial goals, obviously you are not a person of faith. You're materialistic, greedy, self-centered. How could those go together? And Zig says, geez, you know, I'm going to show you how to make a lot of money. And I'm going to teach my Sunday school class on Sunday morning. Man, he's my kind of guy. So you're right. I mean, we, we tell a lot about a person because of, what they read, what they say, who they hang out with. So your podcast listeners, absolutely. That tells me a whole lot. Other than just that they're listening to my son, that tells me a whole lot about what they're interested in, where they're going in life, if they listen to your podcast. Yeah. What does imply about you if you listen to the 48 Days podcast, as opposed to, again, not to put it down, but as opposed to the next crime show uh, <laughs> that's entertainment. That's great. Do that, but balance it with something that is going to grow and uh, help you. You know, the funny thing yeah. is we're in a minority. Those serial killer podcasts oh. have numbers beyond ours. Yeah, we like, can't. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we need to do self-help on serial crimes, apparently. Uh, somehow, apparently, if we combine that, we knock it out of the park. But uh, It hey. blows my mind. That's why you even list Atomic Habits. How powerful is that book? And it's in a category that's just kind of, hey, whatever, you know, all the trash that's left over. Are you kidding me? There's not a specific category for this kind of content that changes people's lives. Oh, advice, anyway. advice, how to, and miscellaneous New York times. That's, that's where we fall into. Well, thank goodness. It resonates with enough people uh, to listen. Hey, thanks dad for doing this. I knew it would be eye opening. What a great uh, topic. Thanks to Matt McWilliams for his book and doing the work that he's done to take a lot of what he's learned from you and others and bring it to us in a fresh way, a fresh flavor, a fresh light and a way of connecting. He's a great example of what we're talking about here. He connects with people in a unique way and uh, it's a great leading and influence to the rest of us. So uh, dad, thanks as always. Hey, absolutely. Always a pleasure to talk with you, Kevin. Thank you. Friends, this is a profound exercise to audit yourself. And again, consider what sets you apart. How do you stand out? And you can't claim what that is. Only others can. But you can influence what you want to be known for. 
And the values twofold, what you're known for personally, your character, and then professionally, your proficiencies. To illuminate the point, I mean, personally, you know many friends and family members and acquaintances who are very skilled and experienced and accomplished in so many things, which is great. That opens up lots of opportunity for them. Doesn't mean, though, that you truly respect and like them. It doesn't mean they receive all the love from you that they would like. You might even just admire them, but do you really, truly feel love for and from them? So now turn the tables. It's great to have accomplishments, your own accomplishments and status that people admire. But as at the core, you most want, again, deep, meaningful relationships and great opportunities if you're only leading with what you have done and can do and not true human connection. You're cheating everyone, including yourself, mainly yourself. How do you want to be known personally? And it's the same professionally. If I'm hiring for a job and you're almost the best there is at the you know skill needed, but you don't know how to connect with me as a human, I'm going to pass you up for someone with a lesser professional skills. They still got to be good, but don't have to be the best, but someone who can connect well as a human. Something we didn't uh, really expound on on the show, I mentioned it in the intro, is a great way to think about this is how do people experience you? Think about that. Everyone experiences you with feelings and thoughts you generally never really hear the truth about. And you have the best opportunity to do as Matt McWilliams and Dan Miller are leading us in turning your passions into profits. Uh, You'll serve yourself best to get clear on what sets you apart that is compelling to other people that they want. Not that's just impressive, but something that they want. Hey, a reminder, you can still pre-order Matt McWilliams' book, Turning Passions into Profit, right now at passionsintoprofitsbook.com slash self. You get over $700 of bonuses. And you can also find Dan Miller at 48days.com. Hey, thanks as always for choosing to tune into the Self-Helpful Podcast. It'd be great if you'd let us know what you think, leave a review, and best of all, keep the conversation going. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others. <laughs>